for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. Welcome to another living life. Uh, I had the fortune of just growing up in one church, uh, week by week, same church, same style of worship. Uh, but one day when I got a little bit older, I visited a friend out of town, and we went to his church on that Sunday. And I realized it was so different from my church, uh, from the lights to the sounds, to the instruments, uh, to the preaching style. Everything about it was very different. And I remember just sitting down in that beginning part and being a little uncomfortable and feeling a little tense. But once I was able to relax and let myself go into the worship, uh, everything felt oddly familiar again, uh, because at the heart of it was worship. And there's nothing about worship that could actually be truly foreign. You know, we have this tendency to be wary of new things, especially if it goes against something uh, that is seemingly foundational in our lives. Uh, but what we discover is that if you look at the core Oftentimes, that's the only way for us to know exactly what it actually is. And that old maxim that says, don't judge a book by its cover, is often more true than it's not. You know, today's passage, we see this encounter with Jesus and their other religious leaders. And there's a point of contention, and it begins with the religious leaders refusing to see the heart of the matter and only judging based on what is on the outside. In our faith today, let us not make that same mistake. Uh, with that, let's all read today's passage together. Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 39. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No. New wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say the old is better. 
you know, all throughout scripture, there's this pattern that we see Jesus follow in his ministry. Uh, we'll call it the Jesus pattern. Uh, he's constantly reaching out to those on the edge of society. You know, yesterday's passage, it was about those who were ill, those who were suffering from physical ailments, uh, those who were considered uh, spiritually unclean or even sinful. Uh, but today, he also reaches out to those who are perceived as social outcasts. You know, we see early on today's passage, Jesus calls a despised tax collector. He says, hey, follow me. Be my disciple. It's just one line in the Bible, but it's so revolutionary. And the tax collector, what he does is he leaves everything behind. He obeys Jesus and he follows him. And then afterwards, uh, Jesus is invited into the home of Levi, this tax collector, uh, where he is seen eating with other tax collectors and people of that ilk. Uh, so <clears throat> what's the big deal, right? Um, you know, tax collectors, we don't despise people who work for uh, the IRS these days. We don't consider them dirty or evil. Uh, we don't, right? Of course not. Uh, but during that time of Jesus, uh, tax collectors were reviled by fellow Jews uh, because they were perceived to be greedy and because they actually worked for the enemy, the Romans. And there were also many of them were corrupt. Uh, they would collect extra taxes and extra duties, uh, making themselves rich at the expense of their countrymen, basically betraying them uh, for the evil empire, the Roman Empire. And the fact that Jesus would call one of them to be his disciple and then to eat with a whole bunch of them, you know, the local religious leaders, they saw what Jesus were doing, and then they became so angry, you know, so irate. They said, how can Jesus eat with them? How is Jesus condoning this sinful life, this sinful behavior? And to this, Jesus answers them. In verse 31, he says, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, when I go to the doctor, which is, you know, rare, thankfully, uh, I go because I know these things. I know that I am sick. I know that I need help, and I know that I can't do it on my own. You know, problems happen when people don't realize that they're sick. They don't acknowledge it, and they think that you could take care of it on your own. And what happens then? You refuse help, you refuse the help of professionals, and eventually things often get worse and worse. You know, the tax collector, he was a sinner. The people at the dinner, they were all sinners. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were also sinners as well. And the problem was that this final group of people, they're the ones that refused to acknowledge uh, their spiritual state. You know, Levi knew his place. And so when Jesus called, he followed. He let go of everything. He was willing to give up that life to follow Jesus. He was obedient to the call. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you know, regardless of their vaulted position in life, they were also in need of Jesus, and yet they refused to acknowledge it. And all they could see was always on the outside, Jesus on the outside, meeting with these sinners, these social outcasts. And they refused to acknowledge their potential to change, anyone's potential to repent. And they refused to acknowledge what was inside Jesus' own heart, the heart of love, the heart of caring, especially for those who truly need it the most. And in that same way, I am a sinner, you are a sinner, we're all sinners. Scripture tells us that has fallen short of the glory of God. Now, as we begin this new year, let us never forget that truth. You know, it might be a burden, it might be a bummer this morning, uh, but it also frees us into thinking that we could actually do this on our own. 
No, when we are able to acknowledge that we are sinners, we also are acknowledging that we are in need of a Savior, that we need Jesus Christ in our lives, that we can't do this on our own. You know, Jesus reaches out to the sinners because he sees that they are in need. They have this potential to be renewed and restored and also to repent. That same way Christ came to us, reached to us first in whatever state that we were in for the exact same reason. Now, his mission was to regain the lost by going to them. And he does so with Levi and the other tax collectors as well. Uh, but the teachers of the law, they were too haughty. They were blinded by their arrogance, their privilege, and they refused to acknowledge what Jesus was doing. They refused to acknowledge uh, their need of a Savior as well. You know, losing on this point, what did they do? They continued to attack Jesus. This time, they compared Jesus' disciples to the disciples of John the Baptist. Uh, they say, John's disciples, they pray and fast. Jesus, how come your disciples don't do anything? How come your disciples don't do any of that? You know, oftentimes we see that Jesus, he does things in his ministry very differently. His disciples didn't fast. Fasting was a major part of the Jewish faith and the Jewish religion. It was regarded as a very important part of worship. But Jesus tells the Pharisees that he has brought a new way, a new life. And then he gives an example of a garment and asks, hey, would you take out and rip up a new garment to patch up an old one? No, that would be a waste. And then he also gives this example of wineskins. He says, hey, would you put new wine into old wineskins? Of course not. You're wasting the new wine. See, for Jesus, the rituals, these worship rituals, they're important. Worship itself was very important, as long as it came genuine from the heart. You know, the motions of worship, that was not actually worship. The motions of fasting, that was not actually fasting. Ritual for ritual's sake, it receives no commendation from God because there's no heart in it. You know, what Jesus is telling us is that whether you fast or not, it has to come from your heart, your true desire to worship. And the heart of worship is the most important. The heart of love is the most important. That's what Jesus is showing us. And that's what the Pharisees are unable to see. They judge from the outside because that's how they practice their faith. And Jesus is right, of course. It was not time yet for the disciples to fast. That would come later. So today, as we look at this passage, I pray that everyone here today is able to take a real, genuine look at the contents of our own hearts, to be able to reflect on the nature of our faith. Are we more concerned uh, showing what faith looks like, or are we truly wanting to worship God with an overflowing joy and love? I pray that everyone here today is able to get back to the heart of worship, that the rituals die if they must. And let's go back to the true heart of worship and love, a true life of faith, one that is willing and wanting to walk with Jesus. Jesus always reached out to those on the margins, uh, for his mission was for the lost. You know, it's easy for us to, as Christians to say that, you know, my life is saved, and then to make our lives very insulated. You know, only hang out with Christians, only have meals with Christians, fellowship with Christians, uh, send our children to Christian schools. And then we could actually forget that Christ came to seek and to save the lost, and that's who he gave his life for. And we could also forget there was a time that when we were lost, and that Christ had used someone else 
to bring us back to him. You know, the Pharisees, they did a lot of good. They prayed, they gave offering, they lived a life of piety, a seemingly pure one. Uh, but their attitude was never for serving others, especially those who were on the margins. Their attitude was one of isolation and sin. Uh, the Pharisees practiced and did everything they were supposed to do, but they ignored the most important needs of the people. I pray that we are not able to make that same mistake with our faith as well. You know, we are blessed so that we can be God's blessing unto others. So as we enter into this new year, let us serve and let us love as Christ did. Uh, let our lives follow the Jesus pattern as well. Let us all pray. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you so much uh, for coming to us, for calling us, and for saving us, Lord. We pray, Lord Father God, that our faith is one that is truly alive. We also pray, Lord, uh, that we don't make the same mistakes as the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, uh, that we're not judging others based on what is on the outside, uh, that we're not practicing our faith uh, to be able to show others. Instead, Lord, let us be able to worship and serve and love with a pure heart, a heart that follows after you and only you, Lord. Let us follow what it means to live according to you, according to your life, and according to your will. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. We love you so much, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.